Welcome to the Sadler Lectures podcast. Responding to popular demand, I'm converting my philosophy videos into sound files you can listen to anywhere you can take an MP3. If you like what you hear and want to support my work, go to patreon.com sadler. I hope you enjoy this lecture. In book eight of his Institutes, John Cassian is going to talk about one of the common mistakes that he sees monks making with respect to their own disposition towards anger, anger specifically at their brethren and people who they are connected with. But this is something that we could certainly extend to everybody. This is a great set of lessons that he is imparting. And if you could place it under one heading, you could call it, if I could only get away from these people, I wouldn't get angry and everything would be just fine. And so he begins this by saying some Sometimes when we have been overcome or mastered by pride, superbia, or impatience, impatientia, something that is directly connected to anger, we want to improve, and I love this translation here, our rough and bearish manners, right? The Latin for that is, so the word for manners is mores, which does mean manners, but also dispositions, inconditos, atque, inordinato. So, you know, kind of rude, rough, but also inordinate, unorganized, you know, undirected in the right way, our dispositions. When we want to work on those, then one of the immediate solutions we come up with is, well, what if I did, you know, a retreat? I got away from this. I didn't have to deal with all of these people. If I could just like find myself a happy place to be in, then everything will be great. I won't be upset with people like that. And he says that this is as if we should find the virtue of patience there, out in the desert, for example, where nobody provokes us. But what we really need to do, of course, is develop that virtue of patience. It's not something we're going to find going somewhere. It's not something that we can gain just by changing our circumstances, by eliminating stressors, by spending more time on self-care, pick whatever other recourse you want. The key here is that we think that if we can just get away from those people who tick us off, then we're not going to get upset anymore. And Cassian says, well, that's not really a solution. Why not? He says, we apologize for our carelessness, right? But we don't really take responsibility. We say, ah, I messed up. I slipped into anger. Who do we blame it on? We say the reason or the cause, literally, of our disturbance, our commotio, our passion, other people are the cause of that, specifically other people's faults or vices, the bad dispositions that they have. And he says that we say, you know, it doesn't spring from our own impatience, but the fault of our brethren. So we lay the blame on other people. And if we do this, if we're making excuses for ourselves based on shifting the responsibility to other people, then we're actually not going to develop the virtue of patience that we ought to have in order to deal with and perhaps not even have to deal with, not feel anger. And so he goes on and he says, listen, our improvement and our peace of mind, those are supposed to depend on us. We're the ones that are supposed to build that 
within ourselves. It's not up to other people to accommodate themselves to our angry disposition. If we expect that, we're actually allowing them to reinforce that very disposition. And so, you know, he goes on and he says, it must not be made to depend on another person's will. And he's not using the term voluntas there, but arbitrium, which means, you know, something like another person's choices. So if we are going to justify ourselves, well, I got angry, but it's because so-and-so did that thing that pushed my buttons. Cassian would say, well, okay, that, that's probably true in a causal way, but why are your buttons so easy to push? Maybe you should have a cover over your button. Or maybe it'd be better if you didn't have that button at all, wouldn't it? Maybe that's something you need to work on yourself. So he says, the fact that we're not angry, us not getting angry, non iraskimur, right? Should not be the result of another person's perfection. It's, it's crazy to expect other people to be perfect when we're not perfect either, but it should come from our own virtue. What virtue specifically? The virtue of Patientia, which we translate as patience, being able to put up with other people without having that anger response or getting that anger response under control. So expecting not to get angry, you know, to depend on other people's perfection is basically condemning yourself to getting angry and not making any progress towards the virtue that you yourself ought to have. And, you know, he says that monks say this sort of thing, sort of ordinary people, and this is pretty problematic. So he goes on and he says that it's those who are perfect and purified from all faults who ought to seek the desert. Who should go off into the desert? The people that are already ready for the desert, not people who, as he says, shouldn't be going into solitude or the desert, should not be a cowardly flight running away, as we say, from things. You don't run away into the desert because you're bringing yourself with you into that desert. And, you know, a lot of people might also run away, not necessarily even into the desert, but into religious life. Oh, I'm going to become a monk and then everything will be straightened out. If you read much monastic literature, you see that doesn't solve the problem for people who have serious vices. And so he says that, what should we do? We should first exterminate all your faults amid the assembly of the brethren in congregatione. So within a community, you could say. Now, you know, a monastic community, probably a little bit better off as far as dealing with these things. You get some spiritual direction from, you know, the abbot or other older monks. You have a routine that you're supposed to practice, which he discusses, you know, in the institutes, part of which involves engaging yourself with the scriptures, specifically the, the Psalms, the Liturgy of the Hours. And so, you know, a monk should be developing, should be better off. But if you don't work, you're not going to do that. So before you go off in the desert by yourself to be a hermit, eh, work on your faults in the real community of other people, people who sometimes tick you off, people who sometimes irritate you. What should you go into the solitude of the desert for? Well, he says there's an aim of divine contemplation, right? Contemplatio, trying to engage with God in a less distracted way. And then he says a desire of greater 
insight. And so this is desiderio intuitas sublimioris intrare. So to enter into, to, to uh, step into these more sublime intuitions, these more sublime insights about the nature of God and the universe and all that. That's what you should be going to the desert to do, not just to get away from your own vices. So he goes on and he says, whatever faults we bring with us uncured into the desert, we shall find to remain concealed in us and not to be got rid of. And then what happens? Well, just as when the character has been improved, solitude can lay open to it the purest contemplation and reveal the knowledge of spiritual mysteries to its clear gaze. It generally not only preserves, but this is a very important point, but also intensifies the faults of those who have undergone no correction. So a person, like he says, can appear to himself to be patient and humble so long as he doesn't come across any other people, but let him come across other people and this is going to come out because it's still within him, right? He says, those faults will at once appear on the surface, which were lying hid and dash forth to the destruction of, you know, the, the charioteer like horses. When the opportunity for practicing them among people is removed, our faults will increase. They will further develop in us unless we've first been purified from them. And so he talks about the mere shadow of patience. When you, a lot of people go out into the, the desert, they go on a retreat and they pretend like, you know, oh yes, I'm so patient. Well, it's not going to be like that when you're dealing with other people. So this is a, a big problem. And, you know, he goes and he says, like poisonous serpents or wild beasts, while they remain in solitude in their own lairs, they're not really harmless. They're not harmless because they're not actually hurting anybody. This results in their case, not from any feeling of goodness, but from the exigencies of solitude. And once they have the opportunity, that poison is going to come forth. So in this case, it's the poison of anger. If you haven't developed real patience, the virtue of it, then going into the desert isn't going to help you. And one last bit of evidence for this that I think we could probably all relate to, you know, going on, say, camping trips or things like that, where we're on our own, is that we're not really without anger. We're not really exercising patience. Why? He says that it's not enough to not be angry with human beings. We recollect, he's talking about himself, that when we were living in solitude, a feeling of irritation would creep over against us. For what? Now look at the examples he provides. Against our pen, because it was too large or too small. Against our pen knife, when it cut badly and with a blunt edge what we wanted cut. Against a flint, if by chance we were rather late and hurrying to the reading, a spark of fire flashed out so we could not remove and get rid of our perturbation of mind, except by doing what? Cursing the senseless matter, or at least the devil. Things happen and we're like, damn it, why did this stupid thing have to be that way? Why did my tie not tie itself correctly? Why did the chalk squeeze? on the chalkboard. We get upset at, as he says, things that are inanimate, things that don't have a voice, things that it doesn't make sense to get angry at because they're not screwing with us. They're not pushing our buttons. They're not deliberately doing anything because they don't have minds. So, you know, he's saying that all these things show us that unless we've actually dealt with our anger, he says, a method of perfection, it will not be of any use for there to be a dearth of men against whom our anger might be roused. If patience has not already been acquired, the feelings of passion which dwell in our hearts can equally well spend themselves on dumb things and paltry 
objects and not allow us to have a state of peacefulness or to be free of remaining faults. So it's not helping us to get angry at inanimate and speechless things that cannot reply to our curses and rage, nor provoke our ungovernable temper to break out into a worse madness of passion. If they're not provoking us, what's provoking us? Our own fault of anger inside. So solitude by itself is not going to give us patience. Getting away is not going to help us get rid of our anger. We have to work on that in the world that we're actually living in. And then solitude might actually be of some help to us, not just in dealing with anger, but uh, the other problems as well. So long as we actually, you know, do the work that's required instead of blaming other people for our own faults, including that of anger. Special thanks to all of my Patreon supporters for making this podcast possible. You can find me on Twitter at Philosopher70, on YouTube at the Gregory B. Sadler channel, and on Facebook on the Gregory B. Sadler page. Once again, to support my work, go to patreon.com Sadler. Above all, keep studying these great philosophical works.